Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Candy. Hey, Ashley. I am super pumped today. Why is that? Because it's our first time recording a holiday-themed episode. Yes, yes, especially when we knew it was going to be on a holiday. So, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Ashley. Thank you. So, well, let's start there, right? Okay. If we know that this is going to be focused on Thanksgiving, let's talk about some of our favorite Thanksgiving traditions, especially if they somehow relate to the entertainment industry. Hmm. Well, I remember when I was smaller, we would be at my grandparents' house and for for them, it was the day that you would start decorating. A lot of people mm-hmm. decorate for Christmas the day after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or if they're not shopping or they'll start the night of. So we would usually watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and we would pull down all of the decorations from there uh, where they kept it, which was above Mm-hmm. Like up in the attic place. Right. That's the only, that's the only real, like related to entertainment other than watching all the fun watching things, the, shows. the Thanksgiving Day episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of our traditions was Thanksgiving after the meal, after everybody's, you know, full, we oftentimes would go to a movie theater and watch a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. used, we started doing that on Christmas Day. So that wasn't something we did on Thanksgiving, but more more Christmas. Yeah, that's a good Christmas thing to do, too. Because mm-hmm, after you open your presents and stuff, people are like, everything's closed. What do we do? <laughs> well, thinking about those traditions, actually, mm-hmm. and some of those episodes that you said you like to watch, that is exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah. We are going to focus in on one of the most beloved Thanksgiving episodes <laughs> of all time, which is, you know, what's it? what is it? It's God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> is it that yes. one? Yes. yes! That's it. Yes. That is it. The WKRP episode, Turkeys Away, is what we are talking about uh, today. Uh, and it really is. Like, I know that you and I have talked about it different times in the past, how much we love that episode. Yes. But it actually is popular outside of our circles. <laughs> outside of just you and me. <laughs> just Yeah. Other people like it, too. I looked up a couple of different sources. Um, one of them was a 2019 article published by Wired Magazine. It was called The 20 Best Thanksgiving TV Episodes Ranked. I did not realize there was 20 TV episodes. Oh, well, no, no, no. This is like they had decided they pulled randomly, like, here are the best 20 Thanksgiving episodes That's what in I mean. television. In television. I oh, didn't even, didn't even know. think there were 20? I didn't even think there were 20. There are like nine or ten just Bob Burgers Thanksgiving episodes alone. Well, I don't watch Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the Bob's Burgers fans, but that's that's not on my uh, radar. Well, there are a lot more out there than, than we realize, probably. But in this particular magazine, where they had pulled 20 of the most popular Thanksgiving episodes, WKRP came in at the top. Of it course, was it number should. one. Yes, it absolutely should. Yeah. That is classic television. Also, we're not that far from Cincinnati. That's true. So we kind of have a hometown 
That's true. Hometown, hometown connection. Heart, hometown heart connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and this Wired magazine was not the only place. It, just to kind of bring home this point, TV mm-hmm. Guide even ranked it among the 40th best TV episodes of all time. I'm not sure what number it. Oh, came it wasn't in there. even holiday. It was just 40 best episodes. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, this is a very it's a highly regarded punchline. episode. It's a great punchline. It is. It's so good. All right, so I am sure right now we have some of our younger listeners who are asking, what in the world is WKRP in Cincinnati? It's a radio station. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And keep listening. You are going to enjoy hearing about this Turkeys Away episode, I promise you. And, And more so than that, you should go ask your parents to watch this with you as one of your like little Thanksgiving traditions. Traditions. A new tradition. There you go. Something fun because they will love it that you ask them to watch it with them and and you're going to enjoy it too. So where can you find it? Pretty sure you can find it on Amazon Prime. Definitely. I think you could find it on YouTube and it's probably other places too. Okay. All right. So before we jump into WKRP, Ashley, with your wonderful memory, do Mm -hmm. you happen to remember the theme song? Give me the first note. Baby. Uh, uh, ba- baby, do you ever wonder, wonder whatever, whatever became of me? I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. <laughs> that was great. Okay. Well, I'm not sure that we can top that, but <laughs> well, just I'm sure for this, he's a better singer than me for sure. <laughs> this episode that we're about to talk about today was only the seventh episode of the whole series. No way! Mm-hmm. It was that early. It, it was season one. They oh came out God. with something this good. They came out of the gate strong. Exactly. It ran from '78 to '82, four seasons. And I can't believe it was that short too. There's these shows that are so short that you think, oh, they went on for 20 years. Nope, just four seasons. How did it? Why did it end? couple reasons. Um, First of all, a couple of different sources mentioned how expensive it was to play the songs. You had to pay for licensing, royalties, all those things. You had to get permission. So it was kind of a big deal to try to get the music. That's true. And so I think just the expense was a factor when they had to make the decisions. The other thing was that they had to cancel one of two shows. It came down to this decision-making that the the studio execs had to make. And they decided to cancel WKRP and keep Alice, which was the other show that was up for the acts at that time. So it was a choice between the two. (sighs) Yeah. What could have been? Right. What could have been? A total of 90 episodes. This particular episode aired on October 30th, 1978. It wasn't even a Thanksgiving episode. Mm. For those of you who are unfamiliar with WKRP, here's a little summary. It was a sitcom about a struggling fictional radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio, that was going to try to turn things around by changing its format from easy listening to rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Johnny Fever. A Johnny Fever. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was that was kind of the great thing about it was, was it was filled with all these quirky characters. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Johnny Fever was kind of this burnt out aging ex-hippie uh, who became their DJ. And then you had this, this salesman named Herbert. Herb Tarlick, who wore nothing but polyester, <laughs> polyester suits, and plaid. he was very sleazy. Yes. Yeah. You had the sexy blonde receptionist, Jennifer I, Marlowe. I liked what they did with her in that they made her so smart. She was smart. She played against type. She was the mm-hmm. smartest one there. I think she was like a journalism major in the show or something like that. Mm, I don't yeah. remember that, but I just remember she got all the attention. Yeah. You know, she was, she's the one who got the fame. Kind of yeah, like when you think did. about Charlie's you Angels, wonder, Farrah Fawcett would get more attention. You I know? wonder if it's also because she was 
either dating or married to Burt Reynolds at the time, and he was a huge star. So mm. it could have been boosted by her relationship with him. Right. She or, had that or celebrity pending, both yeah. on and off the screen. Exactly mm-hmm. right. He was pretty big. You know who I don't remember from when I watched it, and then I rewatched it. I watched it as a kid. I rewatched it as an adult. I had zero memory of Bailey. Really? Zero memory of her. Oh, like she was very smart. She's too. beautiful. She was gorgeous. But, Jan Smithers, I think, was the actress who played that part. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it as an adult, I thought, who is this woman? That character was based on Hugh Wilson's wife. Oh, yeah. That's a nice tribute. It is I'm a nice sorry tribute. I didn't remember you, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> and to Mrs. Hugh. You just didn't stand out quite as much as Lonnie Anderson. I guess. I guess in my little kid brain. Right. I and then remember her. Travis was yeah, uh, Gary him. Sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you had like it was that was kind of the fun. They played off these really mm-hmm. unique, crazy out there characters mm-hmm. against these very straightforward. We're here to make things work. We're going to try to turn this place around, and and the interactions between the two were very fun. Now you haven't mentioned my man, Les Nesman. Yes, Les Nesman. <laughs> Les Nesman was played by Richard Sanders, and he was the newsman who was incredibly. Um, serious about his job? But there you go. Yes. There you go. That Took was a great very way to put seriously. it. In one of the sources it mentioned that before he went to film his first episode, he had a bandage on his finger because he had an actual injury. Oh. Because he was quirky himself and, yeah. he, and he liked to really create a character. He decided that that would become part of Les Nesman's identity. Like part, <laughs> it was part of his character. So from then on, anytime that you see him taping any of his episodes, you'll see that he's got a bandage somewhere. I did somewhere. not remember yeah. that. I'm going to have to go back and look. I wonder where it was in the turkey drop episode. I wonder if he ever wore one on his forehead. That would be funny. That would be very funny. (laughs) I like that. He was such a smart guy. They were such smart, thoughtful actors. You know, like you said, they just created these characters Mm -hmm. and made them quirky and fun and their own personalities. And I I love that. I just, I love good writing and good, well-casted shows. Yeah, me too. And the boss... Uh, what's his name? Gordon? Gordon Jump. You are so good. Gordon and Jump. And he went on to become the Maytag repairman. I did not remember that until you yep. just said it. Yep. And that... didn't his mom own the station? Yes. Yes. So he was the big guy, was was what they called him for his nickname. But he was Mr. Carlson. Mr. Carlson. Arthur Carlson. Right. And his mom owned it. And so she made him the general manager, even though basically he was kind of incompetent. <laughs> Kind of. Very likable, but really incompetent. <laughs> so those were the main characters. Oh, and there was Venus Flytrap. Oh, right. yes, 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 yes. Okay. All right. So those were our characters. Before we jump into the episode, though, I want to give you a few interesting facts that I found out about the show that I was not aware of. So I'm hoping that this might be something that you don't already know, Ashley. It's possible. All right, here you go. Three things. The first one is when you watch the show, you see a lot of the decorations on the walls. They have things like stickers and posters and mm-hmm. lots lots of swag up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most all of that came from actual DJs. Oh, that's neat. No, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. They said that the people who worked in the radio industry were so excited to have a show focused on their on field yeah. that they sent those things in and then the producers and the people who worked on the show would put them on the walls because they thought that that was really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. The other thing that I found very unusual, I did not know this, was that WKRP in Cincinnati actually helped to launch several bands because no, they would really? yeah, yeah, they would play their songs on the radio and of course on TV and then that would that would give the, the band some great name recognition, give them a big boost. Did it say anybody that it was? How about Devo, 
You two, the cars. You two. You two. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, I, I, right? <laughs> I know. Wait, but the best example they said was probably Blondie. Oh. Whose album Parallel Lines went to become went on to become a gold record. That's after, Heart of Glass, right? Yes. <laughs> then I have no idea what she says. Heart of Glass. Yeah. But they played Heart of Glass on the air. And that's what did it. Blondie was so grateful that the group donated a gold record to the show. Nice. And you can sometimes see it hanging up in the background if you watch scenes or episodes from second, from the second, third, or fourth seasons. Neat. That's yeah. really cool. And then the last one, I thought this was fun. Tim Reed, the fella who played the DJ Venus Flytrap. Yes. He was the inspiration for Tim Meadows to create the SNL character Leon Phelps. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. For that that ongoing sketch of the ladies' man. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, let's get into Turkeys Away. <laughs> so Turkeys Away was written by the late writer Bill Dial. Good job, Bill. And Hugh Wilson, who created the show, also had a big hand in that. He actually based most all of that on his own experiences working in the radio industry Mm -hmm. because he worked for several years at WQXI out of Atlanta. Oh, cool. Okay. And it was a very big top 40 station. They they referred to it as a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And so after he finished there, he moved to LA. And of course, down the line, he he wants to start this WKRP in Cincinnati show. So many of the people and the plots that we see in WKRP are based on his own experiences at that Atlanta radio station. Well, you are supposed to write what you know. Exactly. And this turkey drop Mm -hmm. also came from a real incident. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's did they throw him out of a helicopter? They did not do that, okay. but listen to what they did do. Okay. okay. So they were at a shopping center in Atlanta, and this is from Hugh Wilson. He says, I think it was Broadview Plaza, which no longer exists. Mm-hmm. He said it was a Thanksgiving promotion. Okay. His words. We thought that we could throw these live turkeys out into the crowd for their Thanksgiving dinners. No, you can't. All of us, naive and uneducated, thought that turkeys could fly. No. They needed a farmer. (laughs) They needed to consult a farmer. Okay. Yeah. And he says, of course, they just went splat. (laughs) (laughs) People were laughing at us, not with us, but it became a legend. But in reality, the turkeys were thrown off the truck, not from a helicopter. Thank goodness. I hope they lived. Yeah. So, So the lesson from both of these stories, of course, is the same. Turkeys cannot fly. Turkeys, as God is all of our witnesses, turkeys still can't fly. (laughs) And as Ashley says, you need to talk to a farmer. That's right. (laughs) You need to talk to a farmer. He could have told you that and saved you a lot of heartache. Well, before we go on, why don't we take a quick break? Okay. So here's the summary of the episode. Mr. Carlson is that, again, that general manager who runs the station that's owned by his wealthy mom, right? Mm -hmm. So he decides that he needs to get more involved in the day-to-day operations. And so he comes up with an idea for this huge publicity stunt that's going to bring a lot of attention to WKRP. Yes, it does. But he decides that he should keep it secret from everybody. So none of his employees know exactly what he's doing, just that he's got some great thing, you know, (laughs) cooked up. The only person who knows about it is Herb Tarlick, who is, again, that skeezy ad sales guy that we were talking about before. So the two of them are the ones who who are going to run this Thanksgiving publicity stunt. Okay? (laughs) You said cooked up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) so in the latter part of the episode what we end up having is 
our newsman, Ashley's favorite guy, Les, <laughs> Les Nessman. On the spot reporter. <laughs> uh, he, is, he is the on the spot reporter. He is broadcasting live from the Pinedale Mall. And he is watching as, oh, let's just say, he's watching what unfolds it's in real of, time. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of our Halloween episode with the, the War of the Worlds, the reporter who's like, they're coming out of the sky. <laughs> it's that same kind of concept where he's just, we don't see it. Mm-hmm. He's just describing what is happening and the chaos that is ensuing from what's happening. Well, you nailed it. I mean, the reason why it sounded like that is because they modeled it after oh, that. Really? Yes, it was purposeful. It was purposeful. In fact, that's that's what I was going to talk about next. Is okay. Why was it such a memorable episode? And that's the thing. They said, I, I, I by the way, of course, you're not going to find sources that are hard news uh, <laughs> that are going to be talking about this. So a lot of my sources were entertainment articles from entertainment magazines or blogs, that type of thing, very opinion-based. But some common themes that, that came out are, are what I'm going to focus on right now. And one of the common themes was this show was memorable because the writing was powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and in particular, what they withheld from us was as important as what they decided to share. And because the, the stunt was withheld? Mm-hmm. Okay. And as you said, even showing it to us. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In, in both instances, that's what made this episode. Withholding the information from both the audience and the other critical characters involved in the story made it more suspenseful, and, and made it more humorous. Yes, and it also was more humorous because they took it so seriously. Yes. I mean, Les was just reporting on it as if it was a serious event. And the, the boss's, Mr. Carlson's reaction was, they did not play it for comedy. They mm-hmm. played it like a straight drama. Yes. Which made it so much funnier. <laughs> it really was funny. Uh, we hadn't said this out loud, but but here's the deal. You know, Mr. Carlson is insistent on handling this promotion him, promotion himself. So we do not realize that his grand scheme involves shoving turkeys out of a helicopter until we see it through the shock and the... The The shock and awe. Yes, of poor Les Nessman as he's narrating this entire thing. They're live turkeys. Live turkeys out of a helicopter. (laughs) And then meanwhile, you have, you know, the program director, the DJ, the other, the nighttime DJ Venus Flytrap. Jan Smithers' character, who is the staffer, all of them are listening back in the radio station, and they're discovering what has happened through Les Nessman's on-the-spot reporting. (laughs) So their reactions, Les's report, all of it is what makes this so incredibly wonderful. Thanks, Les. The second thing that they gave credit to was the acting of Richard Sanders. Oh, yeah. One person said, why did he not win an Emmy? Yeah. He should have won an Emmy for this. It was just masterful. He had to nail the scene because, as we just said, the audience, we never saw a turkey. Mm-mm. We knew nothing. Mm-hmm. It all came from his reporting. Mm-hmm. We had to 100% visualize this entire incident by listening to And I can. Less. That's the funny thing. Mm-hmm. I can visualize it. I can envision everything that he is talking about. Like, I can see those poor little turkeys <laughs> getting kicked out of the helicopter and flopping down. <laughs> They're hitting the ground like bags of wet cement. <laughs> you have this almost memorized. I do. That's awesome. I share it every Thanksgiving on my Facebook page. <laughs> I love that. Just that clip. I didn't even realize that. Yep. Well, here's a quote from one of our sources. The entire picture of the scene is painted through Les's words and tone, 
which escalate quickly from calm and newsman-like mm-hmm. to absolutely panic-stricken. <laughs> this is necessary for obvious reasons. It would have been problematic from an animal rights perspective. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not to mention Smart. prohibitively expensive <laughs> for a network sitcom to stage the scene. But it works better without us witnessing what happens. It does. As we would if we were listening to less on the actual radio. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because this is a radio, st- right? Yeah. We are guided through this story primarily by Sanders' vocal expression, mm-hmm. a wonderfully appropriate touch for a show about a group of people attempting to assert the relevancy of radio. Yeah, and that's true because a lot of what we hear, we hear um, over the radio because we're watching the mm-hmm. the four act the actors in the studio listen. Right. You don't see him as much as you think you see him. Right. Absolutely. And then going back to your point, everybody recognizes it was modeled after the narration of the Hindenburg disaster. Yeah. Like they weren't even trying to hide it. He uses the phrase at one point, oh, Oh, the humanity. humanity. He even says at one point, not since the Hindenburg, I can't remember if he used the word disaster or tragedy. You said earlier, War of the Worlds. Was it both of them? I'm sorry. War of the Worlds was modeled after Hindenburg. Oh. This was also modeled after the Hindenburg. Gotcha. So okay, that's gotcha, where the gotcha. overlap comes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so the final thing that, that makes this so memorable is just the quality of the jokes. <laughs> it's just so well written. You've just named them. Like, these lines are famous. Yeah. Everybody remembers when Les sees those turkeys dropping from the helicopter and he describes them hitting like sacks of wet cement, which you you <laughs> brought out. Tell us again the most famous line at the very end of the episode that Mr. Carlson says. Well, yes, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> he just, he thought it was a great idea. He thought, well, I'm going to kick them out. They're going to fly down to the ground and it's going to put us on, put us in the history books. Well, it did. <laughs> it did, but not while you thought it was going oh. to. So. And he's covered, but the other thing is he's covered in like feathers and I think turkey poop and all that stuff. He comes walking in <laughs> and he is just decimated. I think Les does too. I can't remember. I think it's he walks in with, with Herb. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But does And when Les comes in, is he covered in stuff too? I can't remember that. I can't that. remember that. I can't remember that. <sighs> Somebody's covered in, in feathers though, mm-hmm. I think. Or has feathers sticking at different places. I love that. And, and one of the the sources Gordon Jump talked about how powerfully written it was mm-hmm. and he he said it was almost like a 20 minute setup for him to come in at the end and deliver that zinger yeah. that just nailed the whole yep. episode I love stuff like that it's not like you can just it's not like I could show somebody that clip I mean it's funny but it's not the build up is what's funny it's like mm-hmm. almost like that film that Brian and I watched the other night Coco the Pixar film Coco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a gorgeous film, but the payoff at the end, you have to watch that whole 90 mm-hmm. minutes to get the payoff. I'm not going to say what it is for people who haven't seen it, but I do recommend that film. Is The the end with the grandmother is, mm. if you just showed somebody that ending, it, would, be, it would be, okay, well, what? But watching the whole film, then watching it, cry every time. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. The buildup is what sells it. Well, I didn't think that we could wrap this up without actually getting to hear yes 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 (laughs) so for our listeners this will be about two and a half minutes i think but i think it'll be worth it yes definitely i'll try to to say i'll try i'll lean back and laugh to myself (laughs) all right get ready here we go all we know for sure is that in a very few moments there's going to be a lot of happy people out here now the crowd is the the crowd is uh Curious, but well behaved. And I think I hear something now. Uh, 
crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. A helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, Happy Thanks <laughs> Giving. <laughs> trying not to laugh out loud and watching gordon jump deliver that I know. line was he covered in feathers you he can was see. okay yes he definitely was yes yes the pause i mean the time <laughs> the comedic timing yes. of his delivery yes. was just beautiful the, as god is my witness pause <laughs> i thought turkeys could fly oh and and they did that the as god is my witness part was because his grandma always said that like oh, that really? was that was like her her phrasing she would always say as god is my witness and they decided to put that the in writer the, or gordon's I, it was hugh wilson okay okay well that was our wrap-up of wkrp in cincinnati's famous episode turkeys away but before we leave wkrp I thought we might take a few minutes just to revisit our castmates and see what happened to them after the show ended, because it has been a long time. We're talking like 40 years. I cannot believe that. I know, it's crazy. But just a quick summary to, to fill us in on what everybody was up to after the show ended. Okay. Okay. So first of all, Andy Travis, the character who was played by Gary Sandy, he did do a little film work. Oh, he did? He okay. did. Not okay. much. He was in the 1986 film Troll, for example. He was in a 2004 made-for-TV movie, A Place Called Home with Anne Margaret. You know, he did a few things. Okay. But actually, most of his work was on stage. 
He did a lot of Broadway. No kidding. I know. I did, had no idea. In 1982, he replaced Kevin Klein as the Pirate King in Broadway's <gasps> The Pirates of Penzance. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets better. In 1986, he replaced Tony Roberts as Mortimer Brewster in the <gasps> 50th anniversary production of Arsenic and Old Lace. And he was playing opposite Gene Stapleton and Marion Ross. No, oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps. I know. And they went they went on tour. He was part of that tour. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, he starred opposite Anne Margaret in the stage production of The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which toured for two years. So he had a big that Broadway That is really stint. cool. Mm-hmm. Good job, Even today, he's still involved in regional theater. Really? So he turned to theater. So how old is he today? Not exactly sure, but I'm pretty positive it's upper 70s. Oh, okay. Cool, Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Maybe one day he'll come to our theater. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I can dream. Let's hold our breath. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Gordon Jump had an interesting beginning that I was not aware of. Mm. He actually had a degree in journalism and started his career doing weather. Oh, that's cool. They had an interesting story about one of his first early gigs there. Apparently, he also played a clown character and would have to wipe off his makeup and then go over and do weather, you like know, right that, afterwards. That, re- that reminds me of uh, uh, the, the fellow that just passed away recently that did the Smuckers hunt when people would turn a hunt. Willard Scott. Willard Scott. Yes. 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 He, got, he was the first Ronald McDonald. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Interesting. All right. Well, after Gordon Jump played Mr. Carlson, he went on to play the character Ed Malone in Growing Pains, which was a pretty pretty good role, oh, I believe. I don't remember him there. Okay. You'd mentioned, of course, that he was the Maytag, Maytag repairman. Yep. That went on for years, and then he did guest appearances in a number of other shows, everything from Golden Girls to Empty Nest to Married with Children, Who's the Boss? Tons of them. Oh, nice. But one of his final gigs was in the ninth and the final season of Seinfeld. He played George. Stanza's boss at a playground equipment company in two different episodes. It was like over two episodes. But he died, sadly, in 2003 at the age of 71. Really? From... That is very young. Mm-hmm. That is very young. And he was a lot younger than I thought he was on yeah, the show. That's true. But he had pulmonary fibrosis. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. So back to Jan Smithers, who we okay. talked about earlier, found out that she started her career as a model. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Right. And she also got her start in terms of acting in the 1974 film Where the Lilies Bloom. I've not heard of that. It was pretty well known, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But after WKRP in Cincinnati, she didn't do a lot of acting. She she did four episodes of The Love Boat. She did a few guest spots here and there, something, you know, like Murder, Murder She Wrote, The Fall Guy. But in 1987, she was in her last comedy, which was Mr. Nice Guy, and then she retired from acting. Oh, she just said, see ya, I'm done. Yeah, she was done. From 1986 to 1995, she was married to James Brolin, who's an actor who's, I know, I didn't. Barbara's husband? James oh. Brolin? Oh, Right? I think so. Does <laughs> she would say that? That's the same person, right? That would be. Oh. They wow. had a daughter together named Molly Elizabeth. I wonder wait, maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's a different one because the brand, the guy in the Goonies, that was his dad. Should we pause and look this up? Yes. <laughs> That's him. That's the what's it's the James Brolin we're thinking of. Now Josh Brolin, who's his mom? Oh, this was his mom is pre Jane Smithers. Okay. So today, Jan is in her 70s, and she enjoys traveling and meditation. Oh, nice. In fact, she had a quote in an interview where she talked about traveling to India, and here's what she said. Oh. I learned to meditate there, and I changed a great deal. Well, good for her. Okay. The character Herb Tarlick was played by Frank Bonner. 
And it talked about the fact that he did some directing in addition to acting. And he got his start with directing while he was doing WKRP in Cincinnati. After he finished the show from 1988 to 1990, he played the headmaster of St. Augustine's Academy on the TV show Just the Ten of Us, which was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Oh, I did not watch that either. I didn't see that one. But he also made guest appearances on a ton of other shows from Saved by the Bell, The New Class, to Scarecrow and Mrs. King, oh, Punky Brewster. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. lots of shows. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot more directing, as we said just a minute ago. In fact, he directed 11 episodes of Harry and the Hendersons. I liked that show. Mm-hmm, and all 105 episodes of the late 90s show called City Guys. And sadly, Frank Bonner just passed away on June 16th. Of this past year. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not hear about that. Yeah, we just that. lost him. That's sad. Tim Reed played Venus Flytrap. And after WKRP in Cincinnati, he joined the hit CBS detective series, Simon and Simon. I watched that a couple times. Did, do you remember him? Nope. It said he was in like 80 episodes. Well, I mean, I was little. I was at my grandparents, so I probably, but <laughs> I don't know. You didn't know who he was. No. Well, he went on after that to join the cast of the 90s show, Sister, Sister. Dang, I watched that too. He played the father. Now I see okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He never slowed down. His He has worked his entire career. He's been in a million different shows doing guest appearances or, or small parts. He was also in the first version of Stephen King's It, that movie, the miniseries. Oh, now I've not seen that, but you've watched it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Did you, do you remember him? Yes, and he was really good. Really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And more recently, he was in the 2020 Lifetime movie, A Welcome Home Christmas. So this guy has not quit. He's also directed a number of television programs. And this is super cool. He founded the Legacy Media Institute, which is a nonprofit organization that seeks to attract young people to film. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Good job, guy. Mm-hmm. Howard Hessman played Johnny Fever, but an interesting little tidbit was that he got his start performing on the Andy Griffith show. He did just a little two-episode role. Really? But that was his first gig. wonder who he played. I have no idea, but oh. I thought that was interesting. I wanted to include it. Yeah. After WKRP, he went on to star as Charlie Moore on the ABC series Head of the Class. That was 1986 to 1990. And then he was in a lot of other movies and TV shows from Flight of the Navigator to That 70s Show and three appearances on SNL. The last acting credit that you see on Wikipedia was from 2018. And then, like a lot of his other castmates, Howard Hessman also did some directing. Oh, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. Les Nessman was my man. You know, okay, I got to say this. I was just thinking this while you're going through the cast. I was thinking of him because he's my favorite. And I (laughs) thought he looks like what Piglet would look like if Piglet was a a person. That's hysterical. That's what he looks like. I never would have come up with that. (laughs) I just did. So I had to tell you. So uh, the actor, Richard Sanders, who played Les Nessman, was in the WKRP revival, which I haven't mentioned some of these other castmates were as well. But he also guest starred in a number of TV shows and miniseries over the years. Some of those were Murder, She Wrote, Designing Women, New Heart, and Roots, The Next Generation. His last acting appearance was in the 2006 comedy Expiration Date, but he's also a screenwriter. So he has a lot of screenwriting credits to his name. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'm ending with Lonnie Anderson. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Because there's more to say here. 
some of her bigger roles after WKRP were probably her appearance. It was only one year, I believe, but it was in 1984's Partners in Crime, where she was starring alongside Linda Carter. Ooh, Brian would like that. Mm, probably. In 1993, she was also added to the popular sitcom Nurses, and she was playing the hospital administrator. I think I remember that show, too. Boy, I've seen a lot of TV in my life. You have. I really have. I have not done a lot of stuff, guys. I've just watched a lot of TV. <laughs> Lonnie Anderson also uh, performed in a slew of other shows, for example, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Melrose Place, the movie Night at the Roxbury, but really WKRP was probably her her heyday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But speaking of her personal life, you brought up her marriage to Burt Reynolds. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, things got really ugly. They did star together in the 1983 comedy Stroker Ace which was a box office flop. Oh, that's too um, bad. They also adopted a son together named Quentin. Okay. But they divorced in 1994 after only six years of marriage, and their split lasted way longer than the marriage I did. I remember that mm-hmm. being a big deal. So she must have been after Sally Field. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It got so ugly, and it got a lot of press. In fact, the an LA Times article said that it took 22 years before they finally settled all of their financial disputes and, and basically could actually put this behind them. Man, that sounds like an episode. Oh. Not to be, but to be like salacious, but I'd be interested, like, why did it take so long? Well... They fought over everything. Oh. It talked about fighting over money. They both made allegations of cheating on each other. She accused him of sometimes getting violent, being involved with drugs. He accused her of being a bad mother. It went on and on. Oh, dang. Yeah, very ugly. Don't want to end on a, a negative note. Okay. But WKRP was a high spot for a lot yeah. of those actors. Yeah. And well, this- I don't know. I, I think uh, Travis did pretty good, but it was just on stage. Hmm. True. Yeah. I don't know about just on stage. Well, yeah, that's... <laughs> of course not. <laughs> All right. Well, that leads us into our armchair psychologist segment. Armchair psychologist. So here's what I was wondering, Ashley. Mm-hmm. We've just spent, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes really digging into this one classic Thanksgiving episode, talking about some of the different characteristics of that show itself, you know, mm-hmm. what what it is that made it just so good. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of things out there that are really wonderfully written and, and you know, performed. So mm-hmm. my question is, why? Why do we gravitate to certain special holiday episodes and watch them year after year after year, even though we know exactly what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. We can even recite parts of the dialogue. Like, why do we do that? Well, I think there's a couple different things. There's there's one part is there's some people claim that there is no such thing as, as spoilers per se, that even if because of that, even if you know what's going to happen, you still watch it for the emotional release mm-hmm. and the payoff. We all know what's going to happen in The Princess Bride. We all know what's going to happen in this episode, but we mm-hmm. still watch it because mm-hmm. we enjoy it and we enjoy the buildup and all that. Another thing is I think that the writing... It was just good quality television. Mm -hmm. But a third thing that probably helped a lot, because there's a lot of good quality television that people don't see nowadays, the lack of choices. Yeah, true. So it's the same reason why we all watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, why we all watch It's a Wonderful Life, why we all have these traditions. It's because Mm -hmm. the people who first saw it, that was all they had. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a lot of choices. And then they showed it to their children and their children showed it to their children because it was now associated with warm, fuzzy memories from their home. I think it's something like Disney World taps into this. They 
market Disney World to the future generations because they want you to go there as a kid, experience it, and then you want to share that with your kids. Mm -hmm. So it just perpetuates itself. I think I think that has a lot to do with it with this this kind of early stuff mm -hmm. is we saw it. We want to share it with other people because that's what we saw. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't I don't know. I don't know how much that'll happen now, you know, with new families mm -hmm. coming in. Will there be that stuff? Because once a kid goes, I don't want to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer anymore, that's going to end for that family. Yeah. That's interesting because Kirk and I have had that, that conversation many times. The fact that back in the old days, you couldn't just, you know, watch something on demand mm -hmm, or, or call mm -hmm. something up anytime you wanted it. You mm -hmm. had to try to catch that particular episode mm -hmm. when it was put on TV. And yep. if you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. The Wonderful Life became a big, a big hit because it um, accidentally went into the public domain. Uh, they forgot to renew it or something. Uh, I don't remember the whole details on that. Maybe you'll want to do an episode one day. But for some reason, it came into the public domain and the networks jumped on it because it would be free to show. Mm. So they showed it every year because it was a flop when it first came out. I remember but because that. they showed it every year, then it became something that on those three channels that you had, the family could watch and it became a humongous hit. Right. After that. Right. So back to what you said a minute ago, that the lack of choices, my social studies friends will be proud of me, supply and demand, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact mm -hmm. that you can't get it and you had mm -hmm. to wait and you wanted it, I That's think right. that made you want it more yep. and it became more special. And then, you know, you would, you would associate these emotional things with it, you know, right. sit down with the family. It would be this memorable time of the year or there'd be popcorn. Yeah. Or, it's why any place Starbucks only has pumpkin spice or mm -hmm. McDonald's, the McRib is back if they did it all year you would not have the same kind of expectation. Oh, it's here. We can do it. The, the, right. That kind of thing. Drive the anticipation. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. but, and as you said, I don't know that the younger generation is, is quite as excited about anything. I asked my mm -hmm. kids, I was like, what do you think of as special Thanksgiving episodes? And my son was kind of like, oh, I don't really have any that come right. to mind. Right. And my daughter did mention Bob's Burgers. But at the same time, I didn't ask them this. But I guarantee both of them would say whenever we put up our tree, which is usually, I guess, the Friday night after Thanksgiving, uh -huh. Elf. We always oh, want to yeah. watch Elf. Yeah. Or sometimes we would sometimes alternate and watch Rudolph. But but there's very special. So there's, that's what they'll want to share with their kids is mm -hmm. that's a tradition that you guys started. Right. So that'll be like, oh, well, we always did this with mom and dad. So we're going to do that with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's how that perpetuates. Well, as we close today. Yeah, that I was thought, fun. Thank you. <laughs> I thought this would be a really appropriate time. We are now about two months into episodes that have been, you know, scandal water. Mm -hmm. And here at Thanksgiving, we just thought, why not take a minute to tell you, listeners, how thankful we are yes. that you have been with us for two months, that you've listened, that you've stuck with us. We thank you for that. We are just so grateful for you. Absolutely. And embraced us in our quirky selves. <laughs> or maybe just my quirky self. Oh, no. I'm right there with you. <laughs> How about we, um, well, let's do a couple different cheers. Let's cheers to Mr. Les Nessman and to our listeners for sticking with us. Absolutely. Cheers. cheers. This episode of Scandal Water was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown. That's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. All music was written, composed, performed, and mixed by Josh Martin. The artwork was designed by Matt C. Adams, while our website was developed by Joshua Reith. 
If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the Scandal Water brewing, please go to our website, scandalwaterpodcast.com. Just click on your podcatcher of choice, then hit follow to subscribe. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget, it's always more fun when you share your tea with others. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.